a pharmaceutical drug that legally requires a medical prescription to be dispensed. In contrast, over-the-counter drugs can be obtained without a prescription. The reason for this difference in substance control is the potential scope of misuse, from drug abuse to practicing medicine without a license and without sufficient education. Different jurisdictions have different definitions of what constitutes a prescription drug. Rx is often used as a short form for prescription drug in North America a contraction of the Latin word recipe, an imperative form of recipeer, meaning take. Prescription drugs are often dispensed together with a monograph, in Europe, a patient information leaflet or pill, that gives detailed information about the drug. The use of prescription drugs has been increasing since the 1960s. In the United States 88% of older adults, 62 to 85 years, use at least one prescription drug, while 36% take at least five prescription medicines. Concurrently, in the United States, the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act defines what substances require a prescription in order to be dispensed by a pharmacy. The federal government authorizes physicians, psychiatrists, physician assistants, nurse practitioners and other advanced practice nurses, veterinarians, dentists, and optometrists to prescribe any controlled substance, an act for which they are issued Unique Drug Enforcement Act, DEA. Numbers Many other mental and physical health technicians, including basic-level registered nurses, medical assistants, emergency medical technicians, most psychologists, and social workers, for example, do not have the authority to prescribe any controlled substance. The Controlled Substances Act, CSA, was enacted into law by the Congress of the United States in 1970. The CSA is the federal U.S. drug policy under which the manufacture, importation, possession, use and distribution of certain substances is regulated. The legislation created five schedules, classifications with varying qualifications for a substance to be included in each. The safety and effectiveness of prescription drugs in the U.S. is Regulated by the Federal Prescription Drug Marketing Act of 1987, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, is charged with implementing this law. Misuse or abuse of prescription drugs can lead to adverse drug events, including those due to dangerous drug interactions. According to one study, as many as 15% of older American adults are at risk of potential major drug drug interactions. The package insert for a prescription drug contains information about the intended effect of the drug and how it works in the body. It also contains information about side effects, how a patient should take the drug, and cautions for its use, including warnings about allergies. As a general rule, over-the-counter drugs, OTC, are used to treat conditions not necessarily requiring care from a healthcare professional and have been proven to meet higher safety standards for self-medication by patients. Often a lower strength of a drug will be approved for OTC use, whereas higher strengths 
require a prescription to be obtained, a notable case is ibuprofen, which has been widely available as an OTC painkiller since the mid-1980s but is still available by prescription in doses up to four times the OTC dose for use in cases of severe pain not adequately controlled by the lower OTC strength. Optimizing drug therapy is an essential part of caring for an older person. The process of prescribing a medication is complex and includes deciding that a drug is indicated, choosing the best drug, determining a dose and schedule appropriate for the patient's physiologic status, monitoring for effectiveness and toxicity, educating the patient about expected side effects, and indications for seeking consultation. Avoidable adverse drug events, AIDS, are the serious consequences of inappropriate drug prescribing. The possibility of an AIDS should always be borne in mind when evaluating an older adult. Individual any new symptoms should be considered drug-related until proven. Otherwise, prescribing for older patients presents unique challenges. Pre-marketing drug trials often exclude geriatric patients and approved doses may not be appropriate for older adults. Many medications need to be used with special caution because of age-related changes in pharmacokinetics absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion in pharmacodynamics, the physiologic effects of the drug. Particular care must be taken in determining drug doses. When prescribing for older adults, an increased volume of distribution may Result from the proportional increase in body fat relative to skeletal muscle. With aging, decreased drug clearance may result from the natural decline in renal function with age, even in the absence of renal disease. Larger drug storage reservoirs and decreased clearance prolong drug half-lives and lead to increased plasma drug concentrations in older people. As examples, the volume of distribution for diazepam is increased, and the clearance rate for lithium is reduced, in older adults. The same dose of either medication would lead to higher plasma concentrations in an older, compared with younger, patient. Also, from the pharmacodynamic perspective, increasing age may result in an increased sensitivity to the effects of certain drugs including benzodiazepines and opioids. Hepatic function also declines with advancing age, and age-related changes in hepatic function may account for significant variability in drug metabolism among older adults. 8. Especially when polypharmacy is a factor, decreasing hepatic function may lead to adverse drug reactions, ADRs. A stepwise approach to optimized prescribing of drug therapy for older adults will be reviewed here. Drug treatments for specific conditions in the older population are discussed separately. Medications prescription, over-the-counter, and herbal preparations are widely used by older adults. A survey in the United States of a representative sampling of 2,206 community-dwelling adults, aged 62 through 85 years, was conducted by in-home interviews and use of medication logs between 2010 and 2011. At least one prescription medication was used by 87%. Five or 
more prescription medications were used by 36% and 38% used over-the-counter medications in a sample of Medicare beneficiaries discharged from an acute hospitalization to a skilled nursing facility patients were prescribed an average of 14 medications including over one-third with side effects that could exacerbate underlying geriatric syndromes herbal preparations amino acids vitamins minerals and other food supplements are regulated by the FDA's dietary supplements because specific health claims cannot be made the consumer must make informed decisions when purchasing such products by law American pharmacies operated by membership clubs such as Costco and Sam's Club must allow non-members to use their pharmacy services and may not charge more for these services than they charge as their members physicians may legally prescribe drugs for uses other than those specified in the FDA approval this is known as off-label use drug companies however are prohibited from marketing their drugs for off-label uses large US retailers that operate pharmacies and pharmacy chains use inexpensive generic drugs as a way to attract customers into stores several chains including Walmart Kroger including subsidiaries such as Dillon's Target and others offer $4 monthly prescriptions on select generic drugs as a customer draw public supermarkets which has pharmacies in many of their stores offers free prescriptions on a few older but still effective medications to their customers prices for prescription drugs vary widely around the world prescription costs for biosimilar and generic drugs are usually less than brand names but the cost is different from one pharmacy to another prescription drug prices including generic prices are rising faster than the average rate of inflation prescription costs are common health care costs for many people and also the source of considerable economic hardship for some these costs are sometimes referred to as out-of-pocket prescription costs since for those with insurance the total cost of their prescriptions may include expenses covered by a third party such as an insurance company as well as the individual out-of-pocket prescription costs include deductibles co-payments and upper limits in coverage pricing any pharmaceutical drug for sale to the general public is daunting per Forbes setting a high ceiling price for a new drug could be problematic as physicians could shy away from prescribing the drug because the cost could be too great for the benefit setting too low of a price could imply inferiority that the drug is too weak for the market there are many different pricing strategies and factors that go into the research and evaluation of a future drugs price with whole departments within US pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer devoted to cost analysis regardless of the pricing strategy the common theme within all factors is to maximize profits this information shows discrepancies in drug pricing in different countries which indicates differences in both market conditions and government regulation for instance Canada has a drug ceiling price that drug prices cannot exceed drugs are made with the intention of curing 
treating, or preventing a condition, disease, or illness. This is done either by adding or deleting something within the human body. Although all drugs incur side effects, these side effects are weighed heavily against the benefit the drug brings. Oftentimes, companies will examine the net gain. If there is a serious net gain, pharmaceutical companies can justifiably charge a premium. However, if the net gain is marginal, it would be unreasonable to give a drug an astronomically high price if there are serious side effects or if the benefits are not too great. Taking antipsychotic drugs significantly increases the risk of premature death. Among Alzheimer's patients, a new study indicates. Researchers analyzed data from almost 58,000 people in Finland diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease between 2005 and 2011. Slightly more than a quarter of the Alzheimer's patients took antipsychotic drugs. The study found they had a 60% higher risk of death than those who didn't take the drugs. The risk of death was highest when patients first started taking antipsychotics, but the increased risk persisted. With long-term use of the drugs, patients who took two or more antipsychotic drugs at the same time were nearly twice as likely to die early than those who took one antipsychotic. Although the study found an association between antipsychotic drug use and a higher risk of dying, it cannot prove a cause and effect link. But, the researchers led by Marjana Kapanen, School of Pharmacy at the University of Eastern Finland said their findings support previous studies. The first warnings about increased risk of death among Alzheimer's patients taking antipsychotics were issued more than 10 years ago. The new study confirms current recommendations that antipsychotic drugs should be used only for the most difficult behavioral symptoms of dementia, such as agitation and aggression, and that length of use should be limited the researchers said. Asked for doctor also, patients should be given the lowest possible doses, and should not be given two or more antipsychotics at the same time. In a population of 3,434 men and women aged 65 and older in one healthcare setting, who had no baseline dementia and who were followed for 10 years, the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease increased in a dose-response relationship with use of anticholinergic drug classes, primarily first-generation antihistamines, tricyclic antidepressants, and bladder antimuscarinics. Consult with your doctor. One of the most important factors that determine the cost of a drug is the availability of competing drugs and treatments. Having two or more manufacturers producing drugs for the same disease tends to reduce costs. Patent laws give pharmaceutical companies the exclusive right to market a drug for a period of time, allowing them to extract a high monopoly price. For example, United States patent law grants monopoly for 20 years after filing. After that period, the same product from different manufacturers known as generic drugs can be sold usually resulting in a substantial price reduction and possible shift in market share. In some cases, a new treatment is more effective than an older treatment, or a given drug may work better than competitors for only some patients. The availability of an imperfect substitution erodes prices to a lesser degree than would a perfect substitute. 
Some countries grant additional protections from competition for a limited period, such as test data exclusivity or supplementary protection certificates. Additional incentives are available in some jurisdictions for manufacturers of orphan drugs for rare diseases, including extended monopoly protection, tax credits, waived fees, and relaxed approval processes due to the small number of affected patients. A drug is a substance intended for use in the diagnosis, cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of disease. Here are the main differences between OTC. Drugs and prescription drugs are Prescribed by a doctor Bought at a pharmacy Prescribed for and intended to be used by one person Regulated by FDA through the new drug application, NDA, process. This is the Formal step a drug sponsor takes to ask that the FDA consider approving a new Drug for marketing in the United States. An NDA includes all animal and human data and analyses of the data, as well as information about how the drug behaves in the body and how it is manufactured. For more information on the NDA process, please see the FDA's drug review process, ensuring drugs are safe and effective. OTC drugs are drugs that do not require a doctor's prescription, bought off the shelf in stores, Regulated by FDA through OTC drug monographs. OTC drug monographs are a kind of recipe book covering acceptable ingredients, doses, formulations, and labeling. Monographs will continually be updated adding additional ingredients and labeling as needed. Products conforming to a monograph may be marketed without further FDA clearance, while those that do not must undergo separate review and approval through the new drug approval system. The screening tool of older persons prescriptions, stop, criteria, another tool for identifying inappropriate prescribing, were introduced in 2008. The 2003 beers criteria have been compared with the screening tool of older persons prescriptions stop and beers criteria overlapped in several areas, but earlier versions of the beers criteria used in this Comparison contains some drugs no longer in common use, and STOP includes Consideration of drug-to-drug -drug interactions and duplication of drugs within a class. In two studies, STOP identified a significantly higher proportion of Older people requiring hospitalization as a result of a medication-related Adverse event than did the 2003 Beers criteria. In a cluster randomized trial in Ireland, presenting attending physicians with potentially inappropriate medications based on the stop-start screening tool to alert doctors to the right treatment, criteria reduce the number of adverse drug events and medication costs during the index hospitalization, but did not reduce length of stay. The FORDA, Fit for the Aged, list identifies medications rated in four categories, clear benefit proven but limited efficacy or some safety. Concerns questionable efficacy or safety profile, consider alternative. Clearly avoid and find alternative, with ratings based on the individual. Patient's indication for the medication. The tool, developed in Germany, has undergone consensus validation with a panel of geriatricians but studies of its impact on clinical outcomes are ongoing. Healthcare Financing Administration The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid 
Services Drug Utilization Review Criteria Target Aid Prescription Drug Classes, Digoxin, Calcium Channel Blockers, Angiotensin Converting Enzyme ACE, Inhibitors, H2 Receptor Antagonists, NSAIDs, Benzodiazepines Antipsychotics, and Antidepressants, and focus on four types of prescribing Problems, Inappropriate Dose, Inappropriate Duration of Therapy duplication of therapies and potential for drug to drug interactions in one study 19% of 2508 community dwelling older adults were using one or more medications inappropriately NSAIDs and benzodiazepines were the drug classes with the most potential problems assessing care of vulnerable elders project another expert panel has identified quality indicators for appropriate medication use as part of the assessing care of vulnerable elders a project these indicators begin with practical suggestions on how to improve prescribing practices document the indication for a new drug therapy educate patients on the benefits and risks associated with the use of a new therapy Maintain a current medication list. Document response to therapy. Periodically review the ongoing need for a drug therapy. In addition, these indicators specify drug therapies that either should not be prescribed for older adults or that warrant careful monitoring after they have been initiated. The Beers criteria, initially developed by an expert consensus panel in 1991 to target nursing home residents, are the most widely cited criteria used to assess inappropriate drug prescribing. The panel produced a list of medications considered inappropriate for older patients, either because of ineffectiveness or high risk for adverse events. Stedman's Medical Dictionary is designed in a dictionary format to provide the language of medicine, nursing and the allied health profession. It is made up of terms, images and appendices. It can be used to look up medical terms abbreviation, acronyms, measurements and more. Pronunciation and word. Etymology, showing mostly Latin and Greek prefix and roots, are also provided. With most definitions, there are over 54,000 terms and 900 illustrations. Included in the current print edition of Stedman's Medical Dictionary. If a hard copy of the text is purchased, it comes with a CD that can be easily searched and navigated. The CD also includes audio pronunciation to all terms and even more images. Most of Stedman's products can now be purchased in electronic-only versions. These come with all the terms, definitions, images, appendixes with the benefits of electronic searching and networking. The increasing cost of prescription drugs in the United States has become a source of concern for patients prescribers, payers, and policymakers. To review the origins and effects of high drug prices in the U.S. market and to consider policy options that could contain the cost of prescription drugs, we reviewed the peer-reviewed medical and health policy literature from January 2005 to July 2016 for articles addressing the sources of drug prices in the United States the justifications and consequences of high prices, and possible solutions. The United States spends almost $1,000 per person per year on pharmaceuticals.
that's around 40% more than the next highest spender, Canada, and more than twice as much as than countries like France and Germany spend. So why does the United States spend so much is it because Americans take more medicines or because they pay higher prices can Americans afford the drugs they need and will the Affordable Care Act change anything? The Affordable Care Act has already reduced co-payments for Medicare patients. And it will increase the number of people covered for prescription drugs. By making drugs more affordable, the reform will likely increase the volume of Drugs used in the United States prescription rates are likely to rise, as will patients' compliance to treatments. But will prices fall the reform does not provide new leverage to lower prices and nor does it remove barriers to price negotiation for some Medicare plans. At best, insurers may use comparative effectiveness studies from the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute to encourage more appropriate treatments. But without further change, the prices of new and highly specialized drugs will likely rise, especially at a time when pharmaceutical firms are facing sluggish revenue prospects. Will this, in turn, mean that the United States spends more on drugs? It's true that in the United States as in many wealthy OECD countries, pharmaceutical spending has been declining in real terms. For some countries, this trend is explained by cuts in government spending in the wake of the Great Recession. In the United States much of this decline is explained by the fact that patents on a number of top drugs have expired, meaning they can be replaced by cheaper generics. This effect is expected to last another two or three years, after that, future trends in spending are harder to predict. Overall, Americans use more medicines than people in other developed countries. They rank first for their use of antipsychotics as well as drugs for dementia respiratory problems and rheumatoid arthritis. This is partly explained by medical needs, the burden of disease in the United States as measured in years of life lost is higher than in many OECD countries for the most common forms of heart disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases, diabetes, and Alzheimer's. Several factors may explain this, including high levels of obesity and higher rates of diagnosis. Americans also have faster access to new drugs than patients in many other countries. That's in part because the United States has always been a very attractive market for pharmaceutical companies. It's big, accounting for 34% of the world market, has low levels of price regulation, and offers few barriers to market entry once FDA approval has been secured. By contrast, in some other countries there may be a time lag between clinical approval of a drug and the point when it is added to official lists of reimbursable drugs. The result is that companies often choose the United States to launch new products. And, because the United States market is so big and profitable, investments in research and development have long been steered towards meeting its clinical needs. Access to health care is a human right and that includes access to safe and affordable prescription drugs. It is time to enact prescription drug policies that work for everyone, not just the CEOs of the pharmaceutical industry. Obamacare in the United States is an informal term for a federal law intended to improve access to health insurance for United States citizens. The official name of the law is the Affordable Care Act or the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Colorado is running its own exchange under Obamacare health insurance made available through the Affordable Care Act. The act was signed into law by the 44th President Barack Obama in 2010.
its aim is simple to extend health insurance coverage to some of the estimated 15% of the United States population who lack it. Those people receive no coverage from their employers and are not covered by United States health programs for the poor and elderly. To achieve this, the law requires all Americans to have health insurance, but offers subsidies to make coverage more affordable and aims to reduce the cost of insurance by bringing younger, healthier people into the medical coverage system. It also requires businesses with more than 50 full-time employees to offer health insurance. Republicans say the law imposes too many costs on business, with many describing it as a job killer. However, since the implementation of Obamacare, jobs in the healthcare sector rose by 9%. They have also decried it as an unwarranted intrusion into the affairs of private businesses and individuals. The party and a veritable industry of conservative think tanks and advocacy groups have fought the law since Mr. Obama first proposed it in 2009 at the start of his first term in office. After the law was passed in 2010, Republicans launched several legal challenges. In 2012 the U.S. Supreme Court declared it constitutional. It also featured in another Supreme Court case in 2016, when employers argued both against the provision that says companies have to provide birth control and the workaround that allowed the federal government to provide birth control to employees who worked at companies who did not want to provide birth control. The court did not issue a ruling, instead ordering both sides to try to find a compromise. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives, controlled by the Republicans, has taken dozens of symbolic votes to repeal the law and forced a partial government shutdown over the issue. Republicans in state capitals have also sought to undermine it in various ways. The law creates state-run marketplaces with websites akin to online travel and shopping sites where individuals can compare prices as they shop for coverage. Some states have chosen not to participate in the ACA, and their residents can shop on a marketplace run by the federal government. In addition, the law bans insurance companies from denying health coverage to people with pre-existing health conditions, allows young people to remain on their parents' plans until age 26, and expands eligibility for the government-run Medicaid health program for the poor. The law aims eventually to slow the growth of United States healthcare spending, which is the highest in the world. Americans pay, by far, the highest prices for prescription drugs in the entire world. When we talk about health care, we are talking about the need of the American people to be able to afford the medicine their health care providers prescribe. A life-saving drug does no good if the people who need it cannot afford that drug. Yet, last year, nearly one in five Americans between the ages of 19 and 64 35 million people did not get their prescriptions filled because they did not have enough money. In the wealthiest country in the history of the world, Americans should not have to live in fear that they will go bankrupt or die because they cannot afford to take the medication they need. In any given month, more than half of all American adults take at least one prescription drug. There is no question that medicines help millions of people live healthier and longer lives, and can also prevent more expensive illnesses and treatments. However, it is unacceptable that the United States now spends more than $370 billion on prescription drugs and spending is rising faster than at any point in the last decade. Instead of listening to the demands of the pharmaceutical industry and their 1,400 lobbyists, 
It is time that Congress started listening to the American people, who overwhelmingly believe that the cost of medication is too expensive. More than 70% of Americans believe drug costs are unreasonable and that drug companies are putting profits before people per capita prescription drug spending in the United States exceeds that in all other countries, largely driven by brand-name drug prices that have been increasing in recent years at rates far beyond the consumer price index. In 2013, per capita spending on prescription drugs was $858 compared with an average of $400 for 19 other industrialized nations. In the United States, prescription medications now comprise an estimated 17% of overall personal health care services. The most important factor that allows manufacturers to set high drug prices is market exclusivity, protected by monopoly rights, awarded upon Food and Drug Administration approval and by patents. The Availability of generic drugs after this exclusivity period is the main means of reducing prices in the United States, but access to them may be delayed by numerous business and legal strategies. The primary counterweight against excessive pricing during market exclusivity is the negotiating power of the payer, which is currently constrained by several factors, including the requirements that most government drug payment plans cover nearly all products. Another key contributor to drug spending is physician prescribing choices when comparable alternatives are available at different costs. Although prices are often justified by the high cost of drug development, there is no evidence of an association between research and development costs and prices, rather Prescription drugs are priced in the United States primarily on the basis of what the market will bear. High drug prices are the result of the approach the United States has taken to granting government-protected monopolies to drug manufacturers, combined with coverage requirements imposed on government-funded drug benefits. The most realistic short-term strategies to address high prices include enforcing more stringent requirements for the award and extension of exclusivity rights enhancing competition by ensuring timely generic drug availability providing greater opportunities for meaningful price negotiation by governmental payers generating more evidence about comparative cost-effectiveness of therapeutic alternatives and more effectively educating patients, prescribers, payers and policymakers about these choices. Prices for brand-name drugs are typically higher in the United States than other developed countries. The drug industry has argued it's misleading to focus on United States list prices that exclude discounts struck behind closed doors with insurers. Can patients access the drugs they'd need while the financial burden for households has declined over the past years? It is clear that many Americans are not taking their recommended medications because of the high costs. A recent survey shows that around 1 in 5 U.S. adults did not fill out their prescription or skip doses because of the costs of medicines in 2013. The proportion was less than 1 in 10 in Germany, Canada, and Australia. The difference is that, unlike in the U.S., health coverage in most other OECD tends to be universal. Patients often have to share the costs of pharmaceutical treatments, but they get exemptions if they are poor severely ill or have reached a certain level of out-of-pocket payments. A Bloomberg News analysis finds that even after these discounts, prices are
higher in the United States than abroad. Seven of eight top-selling drugs examined still cost more in the United States than most other countries. Prescription drugs continue as one of the more active health policy issues in 2015-2016. NCSL has followed the state aspects of these issues for a number of years. As reported in 2016, the United States spends more than $320 billion on prescription medicines annually. Total spending on drug therapies is about $371 billion, including over-the-counter, OTC, drug remedies, valued at $31 billion. 2015-2016 Prescription Drug Legislation Database NCSL launched its state legislation online database, tracking major policies affecting prescription drugs and biologic medicines. The features allows policymakers to view more than 2,200 filed bills across all 50 states and D.C., according to specific topics such as pharmaceutical patient access and affordability, specialty pharmaceuticals, compounding pharmacy regulation, Medicaid and health insurance coverage and reimbursement, and the right to try investigational drugs for the terminally ill. This first-in-the-nation state resource is available free to all NCSL members including the full text of any bill. All users, including the public, can search by state, bill status, and any of 10 topics, using simple check boxes. In the dozen years between 2001 and 2012, at least 38 states had passed some type of state pharmaceutical assistance law. However, the number of operating programs is on the decline due to Medicare Part D benefits and expanded discounts available under the Affordable Care Act, starting in 2011. Most use state funds to help pay for a portion of the cost of pharmaceuticals for eligible residents who meet agent income criteria. Some states also have established cost-sharing features including co-payments, annual enrollment fees, or monthly limits. One source of high drug prices the authors discuss is that Medicare, which pays 29% of the money spent on prescription drugs in the United States can't negotiate with drug companies. In other countries with nationalized health care systems like the UK, government organizations negotiate prices and coverage of drugs based on how effective they are compared to other, similar treatments. But when the Medicare Modernization Act of 2003 established prescription drug benefits in the U.S., the law also prohibited the Department of Health and Human Services from getting involved in price bargaining. Individual prescription drug plans within Medicare can negotiate and see lower drug prices as a result, according to a working paper for the National Bureau of Economics Research. Through the Part Deal Income Subsidy LAS, program, additional premium and cost-sharing assistance is available for Part D enrollees with low incomes less than 150% of poverty, or $17,820 for individuals in 2016, and modest assets, less than $13,640 for individuals in 2016. In 2017, 231 plans will be available for enrollment of list beneficiaries for no premium, a modest, 2%, increase in premium-free, benchmark plans from 2016 but a decrease of 18% since 2015. Nearly one-third of all P2Ps in 2017, 
are benchmark plans. Nearly 41 million of the 57 million people on Medicare are enrolled in a prescription drug Part D plan in 2016. States do not regulate or control these federally established insurance-style plans, but they affect state health policy in two to three ways. These include more than a dozen states have prescription drug assistance programs, SPAPs, that wrap around or add to the Part D benefits, especially drugs bought by Medicare patients during the so-called donut hole spending category drugs covered under Medicare Part D can mean that state Medicaid programs do not have pay or reimburse drug costs for certain dual eligible enrollees the ACA requires certain preventive services to be broadly available and covered, for much of the United States population including Medicare. A new chart-based report by Kaiser Family Foundation examines Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage enrollment, premiums, benefit design, cost-sharing, and other marketplace features in 2016 and changes over time. The report includes data on enrollment by firm, state-level estimates of enrollment and premiums, and information about Part D enrollees who are receiving extra help through the Part D Income Subsidy LAS program that helps reduce premiums and cost-sharing. Among the key findings most Part D enrollees, 60%, are in standalone prescription drug plans, PDPs, but a rising share, 40% in 2016, up from 28% in 2006, are in Medicare Advantage Prescription Drug, MAPD, plans. Three firms United Health, Humana, and CVS Health account for over half, 53% of all Part D enrollment in 2016. Of the 12 million Part D enrollees who received the list, 1.5 million beneficiaries pay a monthly premium for Part D coverage, even though premium-free P2Ps are available in all regions. A Medicare Supplement Insurance Medigap, policy, sold by private companies, can help pay some of the health care costs that original Medicare doesn't cover, like co-payments, coinsurance, and deductibles. For 2017 and future years coverage, the open enrollment period, AEP, is once a year, from October 15 to December 7 Medicaid plus Medicare dual eligible enrollees and persons newly eligible for Medicare turning age 65 may sign up throughout 2015 to 2016 beginning each fall. Medicare's 50 million beneficiaries have an opportunity to sign up for new coverage under a Medicare Advantage plan or a Medicare Standalone Part D drug plan, or change plans if they are already enrolled in either type of plan. As of December 15, 2015 CMS reported, Total enrollment in Medicare Advantage and other prepaid plans increased by 36,254 to 17,761,121 as of the December 1st payment date. Local MA Coordinated Care Plan membership increased by 37,860,000 to total 15,210,201,000 while private fee-for-service dropped by 873 to reach 252,673. Enrollment in MA special needs plans rose by 16,619 to 2,150,380, and Medicare Medicaid dual eligible plans fell by 7,273 lives to total 371,367.
Closing the Prescription Drug Donut Hole The Affordable Care Act makes Medicare prescription drug coverage more affordable by gradually closing the gap in coverage where beneficiaries had to pay the full cost of their prescriptions out of pocket, before catastrophic coverage for prescriptions took effect. The gap is known as the Donut Hole. The Donut Hole will be closed by 2020. Because of the health care law, in 2011, beneficiaries in the donut hole began receiving discounts and savings on covered brand name and generic drugs. People with Medicare Part D who are in the donut hole in 2016 receive discounts and savings of 55% on the cost of brand name drugs and 42% on the cost of generic drugs. For state-by-state -state information on discounts, Medicare Preventive Services The Affordable Care Act added coverage of an annual wellness visit and eliminated coinsurance and the Part B deductible for certain recommended preventive services covered by Medicare, including many cancer screenings and other important benefits. By making certain preventive services available with no cost sharing, the Affordable Care Act removes barriers to prevention helping Americans take charge of their own health and helping individuals and their providers better prevent illness, detect problems early when treatment works best, and monitor health conditions. 4. State-by-state -state information on utilization of an annual wellness visit and preventive services at no cost to Medicare beneficiaries. Part D plans must offer either the defined standard benefit or an alternative equal in value actuarially equivalent, and can also provide enhanced benefits. But plans can, and do, vary in terms of their specific benefit design, cost-sharing amounts, utilization management tools prior authorization, quantity limits, and step therapy and formularies covered drugs. Plan formularies must include drug classes covering all disease states, and a minimum of two chemically distinct drugs in each class. Part D plans are required to cover all drugs in six so-called protected classes, immunosuppressants, antidepressants, antipsychotics, anticonvulsants, antiretrovirals, and antineoplastics. In 2017, almost half, 48%, of plans will offer basic Part D benefits, although no plans will offer the defined standard benefit, while 52% will offer Enhanced benefits, similar to 2016, most PDPs, 62%, will charge a deductible. With 48% of all PDPs charging the full amount, $400. Most plans have shifted to charging tiered co-payments or varying coinsurance amounts for covered drugs. Rather than a uniform 25% coinsurance rate, and a substantial majority of PDPs, use specialty tiers for high-cost medications. Most PDPs, 72%, will not offer additional gap coverage in 2017 beyond what is required under the standard benefit. Additional gap coverage, when offered, has been typically limited to generic drugs only, not brands. The 2010 Affordable Care Act gradually lowers out-of-pocket costs in the coverage gap by providing an release with a 50% manufacturer discount on the total cost of their brand name drugs filled in the gap and additional plan 
payments for brands and generics. In 2017, Part D enrollees and plans would know. Additional gap coverage will pay 40% of the total cost of brands and 51% of the total cost of generics in the gap until they reach the catastrophic coverage threshold. Medicare will phase in additional subsidies for brands and generic drugs, ultimately reducing the beneficiary coinsurance rate in the gap to 25% by 2020. The Congressional Budget Office, CBO, estimates that spending on Part D benefits will total $94 billion in 2017, representing 15.6% of net Medicare outlays in 2017, net of offsetting receipts from premiums and state transfers. Part D spending depends on several factors, including the number of Part D enrollees, their health status and drug use, the number of enrollees receiving the low-income subsidy, and plans' ability to negotiate discounts, rebates, with drug companies and preferred pricing arrangements with pharmacies, and manage use promoting use of generic drugs, prior authorization, step therapy, quantity limits, and mail-order federal law. Prohibits the Secretary of Health and Human Services from interfering in drug price negotiations between Part D plan sponsors and drug manufacturers. Financing for Part D comes from general revenues, 76%, beneficiary premiums, 14%, and state contributions, 10%. 9. The monthly premium paid by enrollees is set to cover 25.5% of the cost of standard drug coverage. Medicare subsidizes the remaining 74.5%, based on bids submitted by plans for their expected benefit payments. Part D enrollees with higher incomes $85,000 individual $170,000 couple, pay a greater share of standard Part D costs, ranging from 35% to 80%, depending on income. According to Medicare's actuaries, in 2017, Part D plans are projected to receive average annual direct subsidy payments of $352 per enrollee overall and $2,197 for enrollees receiving the list. Employers are expected to receive, on average, $693 for retirees and employer subsidy plans. 10 Part D plans. Potential total losses or gains are limited by risk sharing arrangements with the federal government, risk corridors. Plans also receive additional risk-adjusted payments based on the health status of their enrollees and reinsurance payments for very high-cost enrollees. Under reinsurance, Medicare subsidizes 80% of drug spending incurred by Part D enrollees above the catastrophic coverage threshold. In 2017, Average reinsurance payments per enrollee are estimated to be $1,030, this represents a 10% increase from 2016. Medicare's reinsurance payments to plans have represented a growing share of total Part D spending, increasing from 16% in 2007 to an estimated 42% in 2017.11 This is due in part to a growing number of Part D enrollees with spending above the catastrophic threshold resulting from several factors, including the introduction of high-cost specialty drugs, increases in the cost of prescriptions, 
and a change made by the ACA to count the 50% manufacturer discount in NROLE's out-of-pocket spending that qualifies them for catastrophic coverage. Analysis from MedPAC also suggests that in recent years, plans have underestimated their NROLE's expected costs above the catastrophic coverage threshold, resulting in higher reinsurance payments from Medicare to plans over time. Breakthrough products such as biologics and specialty drugs promise extended lives or first-ever cures for individuals. Yet some price tags in this $310 billion United States market have shocked those who foot the bill including state governments, Medicaid, employers, health insurers and patients themselves. States are considering a variety of legislation to rein in costs, assist consumers or shift the burden. Terms such as medically necessary. Medication adherence, fail first, preferred drug lists, value-based. Purchasing an interchangeable biosimilar substitution makes state capitals. Sound like pharmacies. Here state and medical experts sort out the headlines. The noise and the results so far. Pharmaceutical donation and reuse programs are distinct prescription drug programs providing for unused prescription drugs to be donated and redispensed to patients. Such drug repository programs began with state legislative action in 1997. As of mid-2016 there are 38 states in Guam with enacted donation and reuse laws. Although states have passed laws establishing these programs, more than a dozen of these states do not have functioning or operational programs. Operational programs are those states that have participating pharmacies, charitable clinics, and or hospitals collecting and redistributing donated drugs to eligible patients. Some common obstacles are the lack of awareness about the programs, no central agency or entity designated to operate and fund the program, and added work and responsibility for repository sites that accept the donations monopolies and a government that can't negotiate, scientists said in a paper that may provide ammunition for lawmakers aiming to lower drug costs. Researchers from Harvard Medical School dug through medical and health policy. Papers published in the last 10 years to figure out why people in the United States spent almost twice as much on prescription drugs in 2013 compared to 19 other industrialized nations and why prices are still going up. They found that FDA regulations and patents protect drug companies from competition, and federal law prevents Medicare from negotiating drug prices, all of which work together to allow drug companies to set their own prices, according to a special communication published today in the Journal of the American Medical Association for Americans, prescription drugs are a mixed bag. To some, they are unnecessary evil medications that are needed to treat ailments but are also expensive and sometimes come with side effects. The good news a record 50 new drugs were approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA in 2015, which increases supply and may put eventual downward pressure on prices. The bad news, however, is cost relief appears further away than ever, with brand-name medications prices soaring by 16% in 2015. Between 2008 and 2015, the prices for these medications rose a whopping 164%, according to Express Scripts, a company which provides prescription benefits. One reason for the increase is that the price for specialty drugs, those used to treat complex and costly conditions, 
such as cancer, hepatitis C and multiple sclerosis, is prohibitively high. New treatments for hepatitis C, a liver infection which can cause long-term health problems and even death, have 90% cure rates. Unfortunately, it also comes with a huge price tag, 12 weeks of treatment in the United States with Chauvely is $80,000 and with Harvoni is $94,5000. Both drugs are manufactured by Gilead. We have these drugs that can wipe out this horrible disease and wipe out an epidemic but the cost is so prohibitive. So we'll never stop the epidemic this way if we can't afford the drugs, Dr. Ken Davis, President and CEO of Mount Sinai Medical, told CNBC on The Money in a recent interview. Medicines play an important role in treating many conditions and diseases and when they are no longer needed it is important to dispose of them properly to help reduce harm from accidental exposure or intentional misuse. Below, we list some options and special instructions for you to consider when disposing expired, unwanted, or unused medicines. Transfer unused medicine to authorized collectors for disposal consumers and caregivers should remove expired, unwanted, or unused medicines from their home as quickly as possible to help reduce the chance that others may accidentally take or intentionally misuse the unneeded medicine. Medicine take-back programs are a good way to safely dispose of most types of unneeded medicines. The U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration DEA, periodically hosts national prescription drug take-back events where collection sites are set up in communities nationwide for safe disposal of prescription drugs. Local law enforcement agencies may also sponsor medicine take-back programs in your community. Likewise, consumers can contact their local waste management authorities to learn about medication disposal options and guidelines for their area. Another option for consumers in long-term care facilities, like nursing homes, to dispose of unneeded medicines is to transfer unused medicines to collectors registered with the DEA. Authorized collectors safely and securely collect and dispose of pharmaceuticals containing controlled substances and other medicines. In your community, authorized collection sites may be retail pharmacies, hospital or clinic pharmacies, and law enforcement locations. Some authorized collection sites may also offer mailback programs or collection receptacles, sometimes called drop boxes, to assist consumers in safely disposing of their unused medicines.